She glowed all calico like phosphor in the sea. To the ground we fall, she owns us all, kings and boys and beasts. Kings and boys and beasts. Darling, pardon me. Can you help me remember? Burned from a freight train, we were slippers of truth. And the smile of a salesman, we were all buried jewels. Neath the grass in the suburbs, and we were living proof. We were living proof. Joining me in the studio, Greg Allen Isakoff had a little time to stop by and chat with us. So welcome. Thanks for coming to the studio. Thanks for having me. Uh, talking about your writing yeah. style, uh-huh. I heard you mention that you know it's, sometimes it's a little mysterious to you because for the most part, or maybe completely, your songs are not about you. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels that way. Um, the process of writing for me is, is sort of a mystery, especially when the guitar is involved. You know, because I'll, I'll scribble kind of lines all day, 
and they come from all these places in my life or maybe I, I notice them in other people or, or feelings and or in the middle of the night. And then when the guitar comes in involved, it sort of all gets molded together and I don't really know at first anyway what, what it's about. Do you write fiction as well? I do, yeah. You I do? write I write um short stories and poems and you know, a lot of the songs actually for our latest record, our record uh, was called The Weatherman. It was a series of short stories I was writing about. Kind of, there was this woman and she lived in, in the desert, like in a trailer park, kind of by herself. And she kind of talked to herself and everyone kind of thought she was crazy. And she always had the TV on in the background and was always playing the weather. But then this guy was like, ended up being this kind of mysterious, like kind of mythical character and telling her the, the future. I mean, first he was just telling her you know, the weather, what, what it was going to be like tomorrow. And she's like, you know, how, how do you know what it's going to be like tomorrow? And then she's like, I got, and then, and then he, you know, he, he explains all this stuff that's happening and it's going to happen to her in her life. And it's something really like simple, you know, like a weatherman, like, and it ha I mean, it happens every day. I mean, you know, there's this guy on, on the radio that's like telling us what's going to happen, you know, and no one cares. So I, uh, I took a lot of lines from from those stories that kind of made it into the record that that are definitely not about that story but but still had a lot of the themes kind of have you put that out there at all i haven't yet you know um i have a lot of unfinished poems and i uh i write uh, a lot of comics like uh just like one block one picture comics so i do that too on the side which <laughs> is just another random thing that i'm really into but um i really wanted to put out do like a series of comics um, at some point, which I think will be finished before my, my book of uh, poems, if that ever happens. Well, it makes sense a little bit to me, you know, that you write in kind of a traditional like literature type way. Yeah. Because when I get a new CD from you, I have a similar feeling to like when I get a book from a favorite author, like, oh, there's a new oh, cool. Michael Chabon book out. I'm going to stay up way too late with That's this book. That's awesome. So I kind of feel there's a parallel to how you approach storytelling in your songwriting that is parallel to literature as well as to good songwriting and clever lyrics and that kind of thing as well but yeah you know i um i spent a long time making recordings and i don't even know what a good song is anymore and i all i know is that if if i don't feel something when i listen to it during the window of time that i'm not completely biased anymore or kind of jaded <laughs> And there's a small window that I can be a listener, like a like a like a true blank page listener, and and if it doesn't make me feel something, it's gone. You know, even if it's like I thought, oh, that was a cool line, or like this is kind of a cool song, and then I'll have you know one song that's just kind of coming out of the blue. It's like there's hardly any chord changes, and that's the one that kind of gets me, and that's the one that'll make it. So it is a lot like writing a book. Like it takes that long for me to seem to get it right. I think too, when I hear your stuff, and this is not intended to say that your style is bound in, in some way, but you have a sound, which is an achievement in itself. I mean, to really elusive for a lot of people to develop a certain sound. I've never thought about that, yeah. Like I think of Nick Drake, you hear it and you're like, oh, it's a Nick Drake song. You know? Yeah. And yours kind of have that sound built into them. On the one hand, you know, it's kind of amazing to really kind of develop that. On the other hand, do you ever feel limited by things you might want to explore because 
you feel like it's not representative of your thing. It was funny. I'm always, I think I'm always, I know what you mean. And I think I'm always trying to break it. And I think as artists, we always are trying to grow and, and not repeat ourselves and not do the same thing. And, you know, with this last record that I, that I had, I thought it was like totally, I took a left and went to the circus. Like I was like, I don't know about this. Like if people are going to like this, you know, and my friends that, you know, would stop by the house while I was mixing, you know, like would, would you be like, yeah, Gregor, it sounds like you, man. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. But I mean, to me, it was really dramatic, you know? So I think as much as I want to, I don't know how far away I can get from, you know, I guess my sound, for, for lack of a better word. And so, like, putting in different instrumentation, I, I read that you learned a lot of new instruments yeah. just to be able to put in the record, or things like a broom as a percussive element. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of different sounds like that, and I learned pedal steel and ukulele, and, um, and I love sitting in with my friends' bands like that play like punk music. And, um, I love doing like other stuff like that, that kind of um, make me feel like uh, I'm looking at things from a different angle, you know. But I think I'm noticing more and more as like I'm playing more over the last couple uh, few years, and I'm noticing that um, my aesthetic like choices are the most important part of like more important to me than my, my technical skills you know practicing is, is kind of always been a weird idea to me you know I think trying to get to a feeling has been sort of the challenge that's been like where I'm where I'm after and that becomes my practice and the instrumentation I think you know that yeah. is a very obviously deliberate choice definitely but it kind of segues into your work with the symphony because the elements that a pedal steel will bring to a song versus a ukulele. I mean, these are bringing completely different elements to a, totally. to a song, but it's orchestration in some way. So to add that kind of mentality of how you approach things to a collaboration with the symphony, how did that evolve? Um, it was amazing. You know, I worked with two like great composers. Uh, Tom Hagerman from Devochka was one of them. We'd send each other files back and forth, um, ideas, and he's a brilliant musician, and um, he totally got where I was coming from with, with the arrangements, how, how deliberate I was about space in the recordings. And I think he did a great job of kind of working a 50-person orchestra around, around that kind of space and, and then bringing everything in when it really needed it. But there'd be like... I think probably 50 bars of music where like, you know, there's no, like some of the woodwinds are just sitting there, you know? And so it became, a, you know, cause you want to use as much of the orchestra as you can, but we made like really aesthetic choices around that as well. So um, it was, it was like one of the coolest experiences that I've gotten to be a part of. And then the other side of it is all of a sudden you're playing with an orchestra. So you have it conceptually and now the actual okay, let's do this. Yeah. How did that feel in terms of collaborating? It was like super humbling, you know, because I'm sitting in front of these like world-class musicians that have been so disciplined and in one of the most prestigious symphonies <laughs> that there is. And I'm sort of playing these like songs in C, you know, <laughs> and uh, it felt kind of strange for me, you know, and... um but then, you know, by the second rehearsal, we were all kind of, everyone was feeling good, you know? And it was, it was like a really cool experience to get to play with these people that 
I was just like totally enamored by. There's a certain precision of a symphony, yeah, and a certain non-precision. Oh yeah, of a band. So totally to like get those two to gel. Was there any kind of difficulty? Yeah, initially? it took it took a minute for me, you know, and plus, you know, everyone's reading arrangements, scores, so. If I run an intro too long, like that's train wreck. You know, I have to know exactly where the lyrics come in and where how many bars that you know. Which I just don't think about that with the band. We just kind of read each other, and luckily we had an amazing conductor who just kind of got it. You know, I think in a lot of ways symphonies, um, I really connected their sense of time because nothing's kind of to a metronome. Everything's kind of this living. Like the meter is this living thing that kind of speeds up sometimes, it slows down sometimes, and it has, it's very emotional. And I really love, I really connect to that, you know, when I, when I play with the band, because we don't really have four on the floor very much, you know. And I guess the conductor then becomes that integral connection to be watching you guys. Yeah. Getting them to he's breathe like, in the right way. He's like the ringleader of the whole crazy thing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing this, with these collaborations with the Colorado Symphony, and I hope we're just the tip of the iceberg on how cool this can, you know, continue to be. Totally. Do you want to play a tune? Sure. I had this old song in my head this morning. Maybe I'll, I'll just play that. It's called Virginia May. Set my clock in California. Yeah, I dreamed of something special to give that ocean man. She cuffs me anyway. Now I'm banking on Virginia to keep me calm and clear straight. That clockwork seemed to tell us with every passing storm has just a heartbreak. On light my way, Virginia May. Yeah, I can't sit still, just pace across this hallway. We spent all this time just trading crimes. Tomb Smith packed a lunch and I's headed down the coastline. Locked up in the belfry, listening 
cloud that passes is a sign. I just wanted to follow up on some possible future project I was reading about. Yeah. A country record with Brandy Carlo. Oh, yeah. That it would be cowboy songs. Yeah. As opposed to, like, I guess, country songs. Yeah, kind of an older style. Um, I mean, country for sure. But, you know, like, <laughs> I, I've been writing, like, kind of a lot of cowboy songs the last couple of years. And, and kind of in a traditional sense and really kind of listening to a lot of old music. You know, like we have this one song called uh, "Feed Your Horses," and um, and then you know when I was recording with Brandy uh, for our, our two records ago, it was called "This Empty Northern Hemisphere." We always thought that'd be fun to do like kind of a kids' record together or something, you know, and like like a duet record. And I was like, "Why well, maybe we should do cowboy songs instead?" So we're trying to figure it out. But I think, yeah, I think we're gonna be doing that in the next a little bit actually. Is it? Like Gene Autry kind of yeah, kind of stuff. Uh huh. Um, Just trying to imagine it. Yeah, there's like, a couple covers, but a lot of them are original, which has been really cool to like try to write in that kind of style, you know. So that's been that's been like kind of fun. It seems like an interesting limit to put on yourself. I kind of I for some reason think of like Kerouac and his book of haiku or it's haikus, to- as he said. But. It's totally like that for me, and it's funny because I want to like get weird for a second, but. I'm trying to stay super, you know, like, you know, right. But kind of have to have a cactus near you, yeah, and maybe a little campfire, maybe like a like an airbrush pickup with like coyotes on it or something, you know. Perfect. Yeah. Well, very cool. Look forward to hearing that sometime. Thanks, John. Awesome. Greg Allen Isakoff, great to have you in, and thanks for taking some time and thanks for having me hanging out.